Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another weekly edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the program designed to help transform your middle years into prime time, and there's absolutely no logical reason why they shouldn't be. Today we continue our series of programs on how to launch the new year in the right way. I know we're a month or so into it, but uh, (laughs) ensuring that this is the year you finally begin to live your life to the fullest, tapping into your God-given talent and becoming the joyfully committed person that you were created to be. And two weeks ago, guest Jennifer Cochran encouraged us to balance our lives by standing up and saying no to time and energy activities we don't enjoy. On last week's program, author and teacher Joffrey McClung uh, promoted the simplest yet most powerful resolution you can make for the new year, love yourself. And on today's program, I've got best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and life coach G. Brian Benson, and he's here to talk about and give us some habits for success for the new year. And best of all, uh, the cost to you of adopting some or all of these habits for success is minimal and well worth it. And first, let me tell you a bit about G. Brian Benson. He was outwardly successful running a family-owned business, but in 2008, he realized that this was not the life for him. He followed a hunch, left his business, stepped out of his comfort zone, and began a whole new journey to self-realization and growth a journey that continues to inspire him today. And note for this heroic action alone, I hereby nominate Brian to join our program's Midlife Renewal Hall of Fame. And Brian today is an award-winning, number one best-selling author, both of adult, self-help, and for children's books. He's a coach, radio personality, actor, filmmaker, and motivational speaker. And by the way, he's also a four-time Ironman triathlete, an avid, avid bicyclist who once participated in a coast-to-coast bike ride from the state of Washington to Washington, D.C. And his latest book, the one we'll talk about today, is Habits for Success, Inspired Ideas to Help You Soar. And hello, Brian, and after reading your bio, I'm inspired already. <laughs> uh, thank you, Roy. I feel like I've lived many lifetimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on to discuss the habits for success, please tell our listeners a bit about these Iron Man, uh, these insane-sounding Iron Man triathletes <laughs> or triathlons. Uh, what and how long are the three segments? On average, how many folks are crazy enough to enter, and how long does it take to complete and how many contestants were still standing <laughs> at the end? <laughs> yeah, well, gosh, um, well, the, there's you know there's a lot of different distance races in triathlon. The Ironman distance race uh, is comprised of a 2.4 mile swim, wow. 112 yeah 112 mile bike ride, and then a marathon 26 mile run. <laughs> and that uh, most people can't do by by itself. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I, I kind of got into it, um, it was a, from a blessing in disguise. I was in college when I started doing them, and uh, I, I had a knee injury playing mud football, and I, and I had a couple of buddies who had just, who had done a short triathlon the summer before, and they told me about it, and that kind of piqued my interest, and I, I made a goal to get my leg healthy and get in shape and do one. And I, I did that, and I, I really made me feel alive and gave me a lot of confidence, and I ended up doing four more that summer, and then the next summer I did 10, and the next summer I did another five or six plus my first Ironman, and it was just kind of off to the races from there. And, and then I, I stopped for a little, about 15 years, and I did a couple more in 2005 and 2006. Oh, that's great. And so, yeah, thank you. It was um, – it was really, uh, it was really a fun, fun time in my life, you know, just being that healthy and, and exercising a lot, and, and you know, it really made me feel alive. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, let's move on to that coast to coast bike ride. What prompted yeah. you to sign up for this? How long did it take, and how in the world were you able to find the time and the financial resources to complete the entire ride? Well, it, everything just kind of seemed to fall into place. I it was 1996. And I had just uh, decided to move back up to Oregon from Northern California to run my family business. And but I had about a six six month gap before I was to take it over on January first. Oh, and I always, yeah, and I always wanted to ride my bike across the country. And a, a fellow I was working with at the time told me about a ride that he did ten years before that was a fundraiser, and it was still going on. Well, I looked into it. Yeah, I looked into it, and I actually I signed up, and it was perfect because we. Left in the middle of June, and I got done in like September, so it was about nine weeks, and it just kind of fit perfectly in that little pocket of me um, kind of waiting to take over the family business. That, that's so, so much more worthwhile when it's a fundraiser, too, so you're not just doing it yeah, for yourself, you're doing it for a cause. Yeah, absolutely, and it was so magical. I mean, we we went through big cities like, uh, you know, uh, Minneapolis and Chicago and Pittsburgh, and tiny little places uh, with you know four or five hundred people in them. We went through Yellowstone. We we stayed at an abbey with monks in North Dakota. We stayed at an Indian reservation in Montana. Just had really kind of a whole gamut of America, you know, an experience. And so it was. I was really blessed to be able to take now, a part of that. This is a G-rated show, but tell us anyhow. Nearing D.C. at the end of your coast-to-coast ride, a little event within an event. <laughs> Did you and a few of your fellow writers initiate? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, okay, just just keep in mind this is 20 years ago. You know, so um, I was I was the second oldest person on the trip. I had just turned 30, and most of the people were college students during their yeah. early 20s. And, yeah, and some of them had – yeah, some, some of them had gone on many little nude bike rides during the trip. And so at the very end of the last day – about 15 people stopped and said, we're going to do this for a few miles. And I had, you know, I go, oh, my God, I kind of, do I need, I need to do this. And so I just, just got spontaneous and did it for a couple of miles. And, you know, it was, it was, it, it was what it was. <laughs> you didn't actually go into Washington, dude, and uh, pass by the White House and salute the president, did you? No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that would have, that would have not ended well. Given the current political climate, I wouldn't mind riding by the White House. And <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. And a few of the other politicians. But anyway, yeah. having cleared up yeah. these sideshow attractions, let's get down yeah. to business. At what age were you when you realized that you were um, not doing what your life was really meant, what you really wanted to do? And were you married at the time? Any children? What did your family and loved ones think about the idea of uh, getting out of the business sure. you were in and uh, 
did they buy in or how did that work? Because it's always there's always family yeah. pressure, I would think. Well, yeah, and I think some of that was just I put that on my own self. But I was 42. It was 10 years ago. I'm now 52, and I just felt like I was yeah I felt like I was kind of done growing there, and it felt like um, I felt like I was supposed to do something else. I had no idea what it was. I kind of felt like I had this gift inside of me that wanted to come out but I didn't really know what it was at the time and didn't know how to release it. And so my intuition was just saying, you know, it's time to go. And so um, I, I, I have a child, but he he was living in Northern California, about 500 miles away from me. So I was only seeing him maybe five or six times a year. And, you know, yeah. we communicated a lot. But so so I, um, I, I was single and I, I just, you know, had a chat with my dad. He was understanding. He... He wanted me to be happy, and uh, we ended up deciding to sell it. And so I wasn't really able to quite leave as soon as I had wanted to or hoped to, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise. I had to stay an extra year while we we listed the business for sale and went through that whole process. Um, So uh, in a nutshell, that last year was tough. I I had a knee injury. I had a staph infection that I was dealing with, and so that kind of limited me, plus... I was just, you know, just I was just ready to hit the road. And so one day I sat down and just because I've always kind of tried to be the best version of myself that I can be. And I sat down and just came up with five things that I felt would help me stay in balance during this period. And so I wrote, yeah, I wrote them down and I just kind of put that little piece of paper in my wallet. And every time I started to kind of struggle, I'd pull it out and make sure that I was doing that. And it helped me. So much so that my intuition kept talking to me and he said, expand the list and write a book. And I'd never written anything prior to that, but I just, I honored that thought and feeling and I just kind of poured out of me in about a, a couple of months. And then I self-published it. And so, you know, it gave me some direction after I left the business to kind of head toward. Um, plus, I ended up moving as well from Oregon down to to Reno, Nevada, to be near my son while he was in high school. He was just entering high school at the time. Oh. So, so I, you know, I began to reconnect with him and also kind of began to reinvent myself. And you were in the biggest little city in the world. <laughs> I was. I well, was. Let's, uh, we don't have time to go through. Uh, you have like 48 chapters in your book, and uh, yeah. you don't have time to go through every uh, uh, suggestion sure. for success <laughs> or habit for success. But let's talk about a few. Um, here's one to me. I think one of the hardest is, uh, especially when you're just starting out. Can you please give us a few helpful hints for stepping out of your comfort zone, which is obviously one of the things you have to do. Yes, that you know. Thank you for asking. That was really kind of one of the most important habits for me because after the book came out, uh, I I knew that I would need to kind of somehow try to market it and share it, and I was terrified to speak in front of people. Oh. So so I really began the process of stepping out of my comfort zone. When I was in Reno, I I began by taking a couple of community college speech classes. I then, yeah, I joined Toastmasters for a year. I, I, I created my own interactive workshop, and I kind of thought I was being clever because it meant that I wouldn't really have to speak the whole time. However, I found out that it really worked well kind of interacting with people, and so it, it turned out to be a... That was a blessing in disguise too, yeah. but uh, I just I, I even hired someone to to co-host an internet radio show with me that had experience doing that. So I really just took a leap in a lot of different directions. Oh, that's great! And 
Yeah, yeah. And there was some more. I mean, I, I took an acting class as well and with no plans on acting. But, but there's another story that kind of magically happened that kind of turned me on to that. And here I am five years later living in Los Angeles. So, you know, I, I just <laughs> I, I found by. As an actor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, just, I found by stepping out of my comfort zone. I gained confidence and skills, but I also it also opened doors that I really didn't know um, that were there for me. And so it just kind of led to a lot of other things, just kind of by trusting the process and, and stepping out into it. Well, how about it's okay to fail? In your book, you actually mm. tell readers to go fa- uh, fail a few times because without <laughs> failure, we wouldn't be the people we were meant to become. And when you're breaking, uh, seeking to bring purpose and joy into the, uh, into your life, how in the heck does it benefit us to fail? And more to the point, what do we do next if you fail? <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of the belief that if you do fail, you, just, you know, get up, try again, you know, gain some self-awareness from maybe why you failed. Uh, there can be many, many reasons. I mean, you know, your, your reasons could be maybe a little skewed on why you're trying to do something. Um, you, yeah, you, you didn't don't have the do right that out of regret. You do that out of the learning experience. Why did I fail, and what do I do need to do differently the next time? Right. Yeah. I mean, just you just just if, the key is ultimately with all the stuff that I'm doing and creating, you know, books and videos and what have you, and the content. I, I ultimately want people to find that self awareness within themselves, so that they can. They can uh, move forward with a, a clear idea of who they are and what they want and, and what works for them and what you know what doesn't work for them and 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 so I'm all about self awareness and you know when we fail we gain we can gain we can we can learn a lot if we want to sometimes we're you know so mad and pissed off that we just you know we don't take the lesson that we should have or, or you know the reasoning behind maybe why we did fail so so it's it's okay and, and it also just teaches you. You know, it, it, it teaches you how to be humble. It, uh, it, 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 it maybe, yeah. It sometimes it lights a little bit more of a, a, a fire under you to, to do it right the next time or to continue on the path that you really feel that destined to kind of be yeah, on. Mine so. is it took Thomas Edison ten thousand attempts yes. to create his light bulb. <laughs> yes, that we're, we're lucky he stuck with it. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't take us quite that many times. No, I don't here's know a, if I'd stick around that time. That many here's times. <laughs> a strange success habit in your books, chapter nine. You tell us to be vulnerable, and I thought our intent was to discover our true purpose in life, take control, and pursue our dreams. And whatever someone else says, isn't it a mistake to make yourself vulnerable to someone else's uh, intended or unintended hurtful remarks or actions when they tell us you'll never get that done or whatever? <laughs> Why would we want to be well, vulnerable? <laughs> uh, that, that's a great question. I guess ultimately you don't want to be hanging around people that are going to say something like that, no, number one. for sure. <laughs> But but I found for me um, acting has been an incredible um, tool and and kind of learning experience for me. You know, once I moved to LA, I, I started studying a lot and you know with a few different teachers and really went for it. And and it really acting taught me to feel more a little bit. You know, let some of that out. You know, because I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by kind of holding on to our thoughts and feelings and. Yeah. I think when we can become vulnerable, we can become better communicators. We can share, you know, with people 
you know, what it is that we really do want. And, and so there's not a lot of guesswork involved because sometimes when there's guesswork involved, people get hurt, people aren't sure. There's, there's, you know what I mean? There's miscommunication. So I'm not saying walk around and just throw all your, you know, all your, your, you know, troubles and, you know, passport, you know, experiences that were tough for you just out into the open. But for me, it's really helped me with what I'm doing with the books and just kind of sharing my own stories just because we're all very similar and we're all going through a lot of the same stuff. So I, I kind of have found that if I'm um, open to, to you know, sharing a little bit more about me, it, I think it gives other people permission to maybe do the same. And, and once we, I think by being vulnerable, we can um, also, you know, it, it, it falls under that kind of self-awareness thing. It helps us become more self-aware. Yeah, well, here's a success habit I believe is absolutely essential to authentic, yeah. positive transformation. Connect with others, which kind of leads, uh, mm. follows on the one you just talked about. But uh, lots of us have friends on Facebook and somewhere on the Internet. But is that good enough? Any suggestions <laughs> on how to break the ice and connect with folks that we encounter all around us every day and we don't really know at all? How do we do that? Wow. No, it's a great question. I think sometimes social media can be it, – it, it's really opened things up and been good in a lot of ways, but it's also kind of been, I think, created a little bit of a disservice to us because it's like we feel like we have all these connections and, and what have you, but we're not really connecting with those people. Plus, we spend we're all our time most, looking down on a little oh iPhone my God. instead of noticing yes. the people around well, us. Well, not not only that, but for the most part, we just see the best of them while we're comparing our, the worst of ourselves with that. And so <laughs> it can also lead us to feeling bad about ourselves. And You know what I mean? And, and yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's, so social media, you know, there's pros and cons, that's for sure. But, but you know, boy, you know, texting and, and you know, like this, the phones you had just mentioned, um, I, I really feel sorry for, uh, our younger generation because they're not really learning how to communicate. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think like maybe we were brought up and I remember when I was a little kid, um, you know, we had that golf center that was the family business and I learned yeah. how to golf at a very, very young age. And my dad would take me along with all of his adult friends and I had oh, to learn how to, I had to, yeah, learn how to, to, you know, be, um, you know, just learn etiquette and learn how to get along and, and be respectful and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I'm very glad for that. And, and I just, I don't know, it's just different. Well, I'll leave the next one totally up to you. Could you please describe <laughs> one additional habit for success that you believe is especially important to those of us at middle age? <laughs> 48 or Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's lots of them, but I think, you know what? Um, get creative. I really like that one, too. You know, I think when we, I I mean, all these things that I'm doing, I really had no idea were inside of me before I left the family business, and they just kind of slowly started to come out and really made me feel empowered. And and, um, I think when we're creative, it just, it allows us to to connect with our higher source, God, the universe, spirit, whatever you'd like to call it. Yeah. And and for me, there's no place that I'd rather be than just in that place of just creating and being creative, yeah. and, and and it's a way to share with others and connect with others, and and it just I think it's a, it's it's one of those things that I think can really bring people true fulfillment. Yeah, I like another one that I think is probably the most important of all, and that's be of service because uh, 
If you yeah. aren't of service yeah. to others and you aren't considered uh, what they need and what you can do for others, you're really never going to transform your life. <laughs> Just mired in little old me. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you need to you're, know, know you're what you want out of life, but then you need to transform that into doing something that someone else can appreciate and uh, bring them value. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and it's just another one of those ways to really connect with people in a, in a positive way. And boy, I think, yeah, being of service and being creative, those those two things are really, really places where I find authentic fulfillment. Yeah, but on the other hand, just say no when somebody asks you to be of service, <laughs> and, you, and you know you're not good at it, and you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> So or if you're just tired and yeah, 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 or if you're you're tired and you need to refill your cup and you know yeah. it's 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 okay to say no. Okay, and, well, where's the best place for our listeners to go to uh, preview and purchase your new five-star book, Habits for Success: yeah. Inspired Ideas to Help You Soar? Where should they go to find that? Thank you for asking. You can find it on Amazon via the link habitsforsuccessbook.com. Oh, I see. And I also and you can visited, find it on my website too. Yeah, I visited your website and discovered a whole bunch of useful information about your books, your coaching, your speaking, your helpful Thank blogs, you. and your weekly podcasts. Give us your web address. Where should people go for that? Thank you. It's uh, the letter G Brian dot com. Yeah, that's one of the most. Uh, Information-filled websites I've visited recently. It's really worth oh. your time, and I would highly recommend you do that. Well, in Thank conclusion, uh, having read Brian Benson's book, I can attest that it contains a treasure chest of habits uh, for success, 48 chapters in all. And what's most important about Brian's work, it's not written by some highbrow theoret- it's not some <laughs> highbrow theoretical mush written by some Ph.D. psychologist <laughs> who's never been there and done that, but it's by someone who actually had the courage and uh, went out and has been there and done that, transformed his life uh, just around the start of middle age at 40, a guy who quit his vocation and set out in search for his life's true calling, and we can all attest to the fact that he's found it. And most importantly, he found that calling, and now he's reaching out to bring others folks like you and me along, and heck, I'm certain that you probably won't be able to adopt every one of Brian's 40-plus habits (laughs) for success, but I'm equally certain that if you adopt only a few, you'll be miles ahead in your journey to self-awareness and the manifestation of your dreams, and that's Habit for Success by G. Brian Benson, and thank you, Brian, uh, for joining us today. Best of success with your book and in all that you do, your speaking and your uh, uh, everything that you've done to uh, bring people along to the, where they want to be. Thank you kindly, Roy. It was a pleasure. So people around the world are more miserable than ever before. And according to Gallup's new 2018 Global Emotions Report, a survey of more than 145 uh, or 154,000 adults in over 145 countries, quote, our daily experience of worry, stress, sadness, anger, and pain have hit the highest levels since Gallup began measuring these data over a decade ago. And worse yet, we Americans' negative experience scores are higher than average. Is that surprising? I think not. In this era of we versus them, zero-sum politics, financial and work uh, anxieties, 24-7 connectivity, 
and our proclivity to always find someone else to blame, we Americans seem to be losing our sense of gratitude and our can-do spirit, and that's the bad news. But the good news, according to my next guest, international happiness expert and renowned former Harvard positive psychologist Tal Ben-Shahar, Ph.D., even in these trying times, happiness isn't a futile, unattainable quest, and he's here to... uh, indicate shortcuts to happiness are all around us and in fact that's the title of his brand new book that we'll discuss in just a bit but before i introduce dr ben shahar let me ask you this question when you need advice where do you go to your best friend your parents or siblings a co-worker or maybe directly to the internet well i bet a few of you answered my favorite bartender but this really is not a great source for advice and counsel when you're in the process of drowning your sorrows. Well, guess what? Uh, Tal Ben-Shahar found his inspiration for happiness in a barber's chair, and in his book, the full title, Shortcuts to Happiness, Life-Changing Lessons from My Barber, he chronicles two years of conversation with his barber, Avi Peretz, in a small hair salon in a suburb of Tel Aviv, Israel. And as you'll note in his bio, Dr. Ben Shahar is not a Johnny-come-lately to the subject of happiness. He, uh, for the last 15 years, he has been uh, teaching leadership, happiness, and mindfulness to audiences around the world. And he taught the largest class ever at Harvard, positive psychology, and the third largest, the psychology of leadership, attracting 1,400 students per semester, approximately 20% of all Harvard undergraduates. And he consults, speaks, and conducts workshops for executives in multinational corporations and also for the general public and for at-risk populations. And he's author of five prior books, including international bestsellers, Happier, and Choose the Life You Want. Hello, Dr. Ben Shahar and the works. Extremely honored to have you here with us today. Thank you very much for having me on. Before we get down to the business of happiness, please answer this one question. In your youth Harvard classes, uh, how in the heck did you find time and energy to read and grade 1,400 student term papers and score that many final exams? (laughs) Well, fortunately, I didn't have to do it by myself. I had many uh, teaching assistants. (laughs) I assume that was the case. uh, Well, let's let's get down to the, the subject at hand. Some of us may have obtained snippets of advice from our neighborhood barber of beautician, but to my knowledge, no one has ever written an entire book on it until you did. Tell us a bit about your remarkable uh, barber, Avi Perez. Unlike you, I doubt uh, Avi obtained a Harvard Ph.D. Where did he come across all this profound wisdom? Well, you know, a lot of it is uh, through through life and you know, there's a lot of talk on uh, on research, but I think what is no less important is me-search, meaning people looking within and um, and and exploring their inner landscape. You know, the great psychologist Abraham Maslow once said, "He who looks into the depth of his own mind has looked into into the depth of all other minds." Mm-hmm. And I think, in many ways, this is what uh, Avi Peretz did, um, and uh, I was uh, am privileged to be learning from him. Yes, uh, well, I know your uh, book contains 40 brief yet powerful chapters, with each chapter quoting and expanding upon one of Avi's insights, pieces or advice, or his behavior. 
And if we may, I'd like to give our listeners a taste to uh, highlight four or five of these. To begin, how does obvious behavior demonstrate that relationships are number one predictor or the number one predictor of happiness? Yeah, you know, this this really is, to to my mind, the most important lesson because um, when we look at uh, the data around the world, why are happiness levels going down? And and if there is one answer, there are a few answers, but there, if there has to be one answer, it's relationships. What is happening in our culture today is that we're spending way, way too much time uh, connected to technology and disconnected uh, with our nears and dears. You know, you go to restaurants, and what do you see? You see people sitting across from one another and texting. Um, yeah, you have, you know, kids. I saw a family kids, where exactly. every kid had their own smartphone out. Exactly. <laughs> and we pay a very high price for it. Um, number one predictor of happiness is quality time we spend with people we care about and who care about us. And um, it's quality time face-to-face not through uh, the, the, the medium of, uh, of technology. Yeah, I so know you said that Avi calls his mother every day and during work hours, and then he, they have a, a family gathering every Friday night, I think it is. Exactly. You know, so he spends a lot of time. And, you know, when he's uh, – this is a nice thing about a barber shop where, uh, you know, he uh, encourages everyone, you know, to, to, to be with their phones off and to connect and to talk and to, to share <clears throat> and to laugh. And, you know, this is so simple, so accessible to all of us. And uh, it's an important lesson, you know, for parents when, you know, when their kids come home, for, uh, uh, for friends, for lovers. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's a seemingly trivial but, um, but unfortunately important lesson today. Yeah. Well, why are curious people or lifetime learners, in other words, healthier and why do they live longer? What was yeah, yeah. Avi's example and his explanation? Yeah, so you know, so uh, Avi is a is a lifelong learner. You know, he he didn't go to uh, um, to 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 college. He didn't get his uh, his PhD, but he's always learning. He's uh, he's reading. He's watching TED lectures. Uh, he's talking to people. Uh, yeah. You know, having uh, uh, dialogues, and and therefore he's always learning. Now, the interesting thing, and it's 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 been relevant you know, throughout human history, but especially today. If we want to remain relevant, we have to be lifelong learners. The world is changing so fast. Uh, you know, it's, it's no longer a luxury uh, to learn. It's a necessity. No. Yeah, and, and just think of the tremendous resources that Avi has walking into his barber shop every day. If he just sits down and talks to all those people, mm. all the learning. I mean, that's informal learning, obviously, but... So yeah, and you, and, you, and you know, for me, one of the most important lessons um, in the context of the relationship is that we all have access to these resources. Whether yeah. we go to our local barber, uh, you know, whether we're in a, you know, in in, in a taxi, uh, whether we're just uh, in, interacting with friends. I mean, there, um, yeah. each person is is an entire world, and uh, and we can learn from these worlds. Just talk to somebody waiting in line for the bus, or you know, exactly. <laughs> or some other public place. And, you know, this, this, this leads me to another one of uh, Avi's lessons. Um, it's not just talking to other people. It's expressing or acting with kindness towards other and people. And interest in their lives, not just exactly, yes. demonstrating and, and, interest in A number and, and, one myself. <laughs> right. And, 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 the, and the interesting thing about these interactions with other people is that when we're kind to others, when we express interest, when we help others, we're not just benefiting them. 
we're benefiting ourselves. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, he demonstrates clearly why generosity contributes not only to others but also to ourselves. I, I know you mentioned in one chapter how in the middle of a busy workday cutting hair, he got a call and agreed to uh, go across the roundabout to help a friend who had a problem and uh, just that kind. And he states that generosity is the key to abundance, both mm. material and emotional. And that's yeah. so true. Yeah, it is true. And, and, and again, the thing is what it shows is priorities. You know, we, yeah. we'll, we all help people at times. We are all in real relationships at times. But what, what Avi clearly demonstrated, again, not just in his words, even more so through his deeds, um, was w- what were his priorities? Other yeah. people were his priorities. Generosity, yeah. kindness, relationships, um, listening. These were his priorities. I mean, and and this is how he lives. Even his basic work, his priority is to make people feel good with the way their hair looks. So that, that's exactly right. <laughs> he has an opportunity to do that. We yeah. all do, really, whatever our profession. Exactly, is. and and the question is, are we are we conscious of it? Are we aware of it? Because you know, you can be um, you can be working uh, as a teller in a bank and see your work as uh, mundane and 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 mechanic and technical, yeah. or you can be doing the exact same thing and see your work as helping other people. And just that perception, changing our perception of what we do day in and day out, that can change our experience and also the experience of those we serve. Yeah, my wife and I one time were looking at houses, and we went into this one house, and the realtor that was sitting there showing it said, we're about to close, (laughs) and then rushed us through the house. Now, do you think we were interested in buying from Mm -hmm. that realtor? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hardly, but... uh, well, what about this one? Why, um, why, when we're being authentic and true to ourselves, is also when we are most content? Yeah, you know, so there's, this is um, actually what I did a lot of uh, research on, Avi right. did me-search on, <laughs> showing <laughs> that um, uh, we pay a high psychological and emotional price when we're uh, dishonest uh, or, or immoral in general. So in a sense, we have an innate, whether it's a God-given or evolution-given moral sense that that, uh, leads us towards being, again, generous and kind, as well as uh, honest and authentic. And people who live an honest and authentic life are much more likely to experience high levels of self-confidence and self-esteem, as well as happiness. Yeah, it's obviously essential that we know what our role is. What, what our real objective in life is, because I, I know Avi puts it easy to fall into a role trap where one allows a situation to define who one is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true. Yeah, and, and you know one one of the things that um, leads us towards falling into those traps is uh, is uh, excessive busyness. When we don't have time to <laughs> think or reflect, then we we react. You know, we do we do, we do what uh, others think we should do, or we do what you know what everyone else does, such as being, you know, on our phones uh, yeah. around the clock, or uh, or hurrying along without paying attention to to those around us. Well, here's one my wife, a frequent mall shopper, needs to pay attention to. This is the last <laughs> one I want to bring up. This is so funny, and I guess I do too. Anger management. What tactic does Avi recommend when you're yeah. about to enter a just vacated parking spot 
in the uh, lot and a rude driver with an SUV suddenly appears from your left and uh, grabs the spot. How do you yeah. avoid confrontation? Yeah, you know, so, so you know, we've all been through it, you know, on, on the road when someone cuts us off or, or, or grabs our parking <laughs> spot. What Avi does, he and, and this is the advice he gave, he gave us as we were, you know, as our hair was being cut and there were a few of us there, he said, I imagine that a cow just cut me off. <laughs> not an SUV, but a cow. Now he said, would you be angry with a cow? Of course not. Now, of course, he made us laugh when he said that, and, and what he did, again, intuitively, what he, he, he's about diverting our attention from the source of the anger to something which is, which is funny, and we can't experience two conflicting emotions. No. Uh, one is amusement and one is anger at the same time. So if we experience amusement, anger um, you know, gives way. <laughs> and, uh, and again, this is a simple, silly, and yet profound way of dealing with, uh, with the interruptions in, in our lives. Yeah, I love that. Well, there's 40 chapters worth of insights, and that's only a small example. Uh, at, at this point, as you point out, a reader can either read through the entire book in a relatively short session. I know it only took me maybe an hour and a half. Or a reader can pick and choose, and obviously we can go back when we have a particular situation. But if there were one insight you would like readers to take away from your book as a whole, what would it be? Uh, the one insight is um, that there is wisdom uh, all around us and within us. What we need to do is take take the time, pay attention to it uh, in order sure. to grow and live, li- uh, live our lives. We're to, all too to busy to pay attention yeah. <laughs> to what's yeah. going on. Well, where's the best place for our listeners to go to preview and purchase your book? Shortcut well, it's, uh, it's available uh, online, uh, available in, in, uh, in most stores as well. So uh, Barnes & Noble and, and Amazon uh, will have it. And uh, I hope uh, the listeners will take time to, to enjoy and, um, and most importantly, apply yeah, it's a uh, delightful book to read, but uh, like you say, really it's one you need to think about and relate your own personal life to because <laughs> the situations described are so common. Well, I know from your website that you're also available as a speaker, workshop leader, and you offer info on your prior books and your audio books. What's your website address so people can check it out? Um, it's uh, it's my name. It's www.talbenshahar.com. That's T-A-L-B-E-N-S-H-A-H-A-R.com. Yeah, that's an excellent website, and I recommend people going to that. But uh, in conclusion, once you preview Tal Ben Shahar's book, Shortcuts to Happiness, I'm certain you'll marvel at the extremely wise grounding to happiness on this on-the-surface unremarkable barber in a small salon in Tel Aviv, Israel. But the more you read through the book and ponder Avi's common-sense, down-to-earth advice, you'll understand why this barber is so content and happy in his situation in life, the relationships he's built, and the haircutting and styling work he does. And more importantly, you can apply Avi Peretz and Dr. Ben Shahar's common sense happiness advice to your everyday life at work and at home. And we didn't even discuss uh, Avi's great uh, suggestions regarding child rearing and uh, being a parent, which he has some great uh, suggestions in that too. And no, you and I don't necessarily have to gain a corner office or become a C-level executive 
to enjoy what we do for a living. And at middle age or any age, you are not stuck where you are with no choice but to remain miserable and unfulfilled, even if you're at a career plateau. And we all can learn uh, life wherever we are, uh, but it's an inside job. It's an inside job, and yet we better pay attention to what's going on around us. And I suggest you uh, purchase Tal Ben-Shahar's Shortcuts to Happiness. Consider it either as a gift to yourself or to a friend or loved one. And thanks a million, Dr. Ben-Shahar, for joining us here today. And the next time you communicate with Avi, please relay our thanks to him as well. <laughs> I will. Thank you very much. Next time in, in your, our listeners are in Tel Aviv, I suggest they look him up and <laughs> go and get a haircut. Uh, get a haircut and get good advice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, happy every day to uh, all of you out there. And uh, I'm, uh, if I'm ever admitted to Harvard, I'll, well, I was going to say I'd sign up for one of uh, Dr. Shahar's courses, Ben Shahar's courses, but he's no longer at Harvard teaching, so I guess I can. But thanks a million for joining us here today. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. From middle age can be your best age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.